0: At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that all census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All, retur- um, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in in Judea, David's ancient home. He um, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to the firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will... Bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host house of the of others the armies of heaven praising God and say in glory to the lord her highest in, wait glory to lord, earth, highest in heaven in and, and place and peace on earth earth on wait the to those with if, who 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 God is pleased he's with and the angel who has Returned. Returned to heaven and, and the shepherds said to each other let's go to Bethlehem and let's see the, this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was a baby lying in the manger after seeing him the angel the um after seeing him the shepherds told everyone about what happened and what the angel had said to the, them about this child all who heard the shepherds story were astonished but mary kept all these things to her heart, heart and thought about them often the shepherds went back to their flocks glorify, glorifying and praising god for the, for all they had heard and seen It was just as the angel had told them. (laughs) Thank you. You all are
1: beautiful. (laughs) Praise God. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Oh, that was amazing. That was awesome. Uh, well, Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> well, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, just counting my blessings today. I got my family here. I'm missing three, but you know, uh, I, I never really even have this. So I'm just I'm blessed to have my kids here today. Uh, joining us. Uh, we did uh, Christmas last night. Oh, well, we opened up gifts last night. Anybody else open up gifts on Christmas Eve? Nope. nope. Okay. One. I know. It's kind of weird. You know I mean? I never, we didn't do that uh, when I was a kid. So um, yeah, we, you know, this year we had to make adjustments for, <laughs> for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> make some adjustments for Jesus. All right. Well, we'll read our declaration. Do we have that? There we go. Let's read that together. The Lord will be a firewall around this house, and his glory shall be in our midst. Amen. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we just surrender to your leading today, Father, and I pray that our ears will be open to hear your word, Father, and our spirits open to receive it and to digest it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, Acts 20.35 says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I personally love that scripture because one of my love languages is receiving gifts. <laughs> so if you're anything like me, and it's okay to be real in here today, um, I love to receive gifts, right? I love to receive gifts. Now during this time of year, I don't care if you even the grouchiest Ebenezer Scrooge among us, likes to receive a gift, right? Like, you can be the grumpiest Christian that ever walked the earth, and odds are you like to receive a gift. It don't matter how mean you are, how much you don't like people, Christian. You like to receive a gift. I love the anticipation of receiving a gift. Like, I love to go in there, I pick it up and weigh it i shake it, i smell it just in case she puts some sausage in it, <laughs> in hopes that when I open it, I like it. And if you're anything like me, when you open it, you hope that they don't see your face if you don't like it. So I want to have to fake it, my son Braxton told me. He said, he said I like to know what you're getting me because I don't want to fake it when I open it. I don't want to have to be like, thank you. (laughs) We all respond differently to gifts. But one Christmas morning, God gave us the very best he had. He came, he came. And that's what the Christmas story is all about, right? That the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God became human. That's the most amazing thing about Christmas, is that he, he became human. He came. And so my question to you today is, what is your response to that today? What's your response? Because when Jesus' arrival was announced, the message got mixed responses. Right? You got a mixed response. And so the title of my message today is Wisdom Responds. Wisdom Responds. Now, the first people to hear this announcement, of course, were Mary and Joseph. Um, and Mary responded in Luke 1.8, or I'm sorry, 1.38, by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary, what she was essentially saying was, Yes, Lord, do whatever you want with my life. Do whatever you want with my life, no matter what it costs. And, of course, it will cost her something. Joseph's story is found in Matthew 1 when Joseph heard uh, from Mary that she was pregnant and that it was the Lord's child. Um, he posted it on Instagram. He put her on blast, right? No, Joseph didn't do that. <laughs> right? Of course, he, he didn't believe her, but he, he chose to quietly end the engagement. And it says in Matthew 1, 20 through 21, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So both Mary and Joseph's responses were, yes, Lord, do whatever whatever you want with my life. But let's not miss why Jesus came. It says in verse 21, it says, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The very name Jesus means God saves. He came to save us. Is that good news? I mean, listen, if your life is perfect, we're all very happy for you. We really are. We're really happy for you. This whole thing doesn't even apply to you then. But for the rest of us here and the rest of us watching online, this is really good news. This is good news. If you've ever carried guilt or shame from a disappointment or found yourself stuck in an addiction or a bad habit uh, that you couldn't get over yourself or battled with anger, anxiety or depression, uh, or even if you felt far from God and just wanted to be closer, this is really, really good news. That God came to save us, that he came to free us, that he came to change us. He came. What's your response? And that brings me to my text today. You guys are like, you ain't at your text yet? Um, That brings me to my text today, which is found in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And we're going to look at the wise men today. Uh, Matthew 2, 1 through 6, well, I'll start with 1 through 6. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Now, this right here is a prophecy of Micah being fulfilled. It says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will will shepherd my people Israel. I love how God picks the lowliest of people to accomplish the greatest things. Like, I don't care if you've ever felt uh, unqualified or or an outcast, right? Uh, God loves to choose us. He will pick you up, dust you off, and put you at the front of the lunch line, and you ain't even got no money, right? Right? It's already paid for. Continuing with Matthew 2, 7 through 12. Then Herod, when he secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. That they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Now we see here that there were three very different responses to the news uh, that Jesus had come. First, you have the Magi, which are the wise men, Um, and they responded. They said, "We've come to worship him." Now, these the wise men were were actually they were Gentiles, right? They they weren't part of the Jewish faith. They were priests who were skilled in astrology and practiced forbidden arts. And unusually unusually enough, God actually showed them through these forbidden arts that the king of the Jews was to be born, and they had come to worship him. So you have this very unusual bunch of guys who are coming to worship the king of the Jews. Second was King Herod's hostility. King Herod was notorious for his murderous paranoia. So he actually, he had murdered his own wife and several of his kids because he thought that they were plotting to overthrow him. They, um, he, was, he, he, was, he was Jewish and so he didn't eat pork. So there was a famous saying that said that you were better off being King Herod's pig than his son. So King Herod's response was hostility. Third was the religious leaders, and this is very interesting to me. The religious leaders, their response was actually indifference. It was indifference. They were asked where the Messiah was going to be born, and they had the answer because they knew Scripture. So they had the answer, but because uh, after hearing the news that he was to be born, what did they do? They did nothing. These these leaders did nothing after hearing that Jesus was born. There's no record that they bothered to go to Bethlehem, which was approximately five miles away, to check it out, to even see the Messiah. So I want to look at the wise men today and see what made them wise and what things we can learn from them to become wiser ourselves. First thing we see the wise men do is they seek after Jesus— So wisdom seeks. Wisdom seeks. And can I tell you that it's not comfortable, it's not convenient, but it seeks. It's believed that these these wise men traveled between 700 and 1,000 miles. The trek through the desert could have taken approximately 8 to 10 weeks, depending on the conditions along the way. I can tell you guys that last week, I almost didn't come to the men's gathering because I had to drive 40 miles from North Ridgeville to Wycliffe, like 1,000 miles on, on, on camel. Ten weeks is what they had to travel just to see the king. And it required risk, time, and personal investment. They risked the possibility of sickness, bad weather, a danger of encountering whoever wanted to take what they had. These were, these were wise men. They were actually were wealthy men. There were no Airbnbs, so whenever they wanted to stop and, 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 and sleep, they had to camp out wherever they could find a safe place or just rely on, on you know, uh, uh, local hospitality. It required time, time to prepare for the trip and time to make the trip. It called for personal investment uh, for their own resources, for their supplies they needed, and, and to survive on top of the gifts that they were bringing to Jesus. The Bible didn't say that they took an offering before they left. Truly serving Jesus is going to require us to follow paths that risk the investment of time and personal resources. Time to prepare ourselves to minister to other people, time to carry out the task that God's called us to perform, the sacrifice of personal resources to fulfill God's calling. And those personal resources can mean your energy, your focus, your money, your mood, your, your presence, your connection, your support of other people. It could call for any of those things. We should be prepared to give back what belongs to him, and he gave it all. He gave it all. The wise men traveled a great distance because wisdom seeks, and it's not convenient. It's not casual, it's not complacent. Proverbs two, four through five says. And if you look for it, speaking of wisdom, as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Wisdom is a result of an active search. But wisdom's starting point will always be God and his revealed word. Amen? It's a gift, but he only gives to those who sincerely seek it. There's a pursuit to seeking after God that requires us to get uncomfortable. It does. It requires us to get uncomfortable. I've been in situations in my life, jobs and and relationships, where I've been promised uh, that God was going to do amazing things, but when it doesn't come to pass, it's easy to to get disappointed and and, and in despair. And, And let me tell you that Proverbs says that hope deferred makes uh, uh, makes the heart sick. And I've been there a couple ten times, guys, with a sick heart. But what happens is when we allow our heart to stay in that sick place is that it becomes prone to sin, whatever that looks like, right? Whether it be anger, selfishness, uh, unforgiveness, jealousy, pride, it's easier for sin to lasso a sick heart. Back in 2019, I remember being in a a very low place spiritually. Like, you wouldn't have known it from the outside looking in, right? I still looked happy and joyful. I was still pastoring. But on the inside, my heart was decaying. So you would have never known from the outside looking in. And I remember telling God, like, I can't go another day like this. I can't do this again. I don't want to go another day without you. And I remember God just telling me, seek my face. Seek my face. And he led me to Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. And at that time, we happened to be doing a uh, book study with our life group, and it involved a 40-day challenge. And this 40-day challenge... um, I just began to seek him. I began to passionately pursue God, right? Day in and day out, the 40-day challenge challenged my prayer life. I would get up earlier and just spend more time in his presence. Every afternoon and evening, I made time to just sit with him, right? I would just spend time in his word. Everything else would have to wait. Everything else had to wait. I knew that I had to hear his voice. And when you begin to seek him with that type of passion, God begins to answer. But you have to seek him. You have to pursue his face. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is good news, my friends. God's not hiding from any of us. The promise of Jesus is also found later on in Matthew where he says, Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open." Wisdom seeks, but it's got to be more important. It's got to be more important. Your seek has to be more important. Your seek has to be more important than your job. Your seek has to be more important than your spouse. Your seek has to be more important than your kids' sporting events on Sunday morning. It has to be more important. Does it matter to you? If it does, you'll seek Him, and it says that when you seek, you'll find Him. The one thing we can't afford to do is to be indifferent. We can't be the religious leaders. It's too important to be indifferent, to do nothing. Wisdom seeks. The second thing the wise men did is the, they worshipped him. It says that uh, they worshipped him. So wisdom worships. Wisdom worships. In verse 11, it says that uh, when, they, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. This messes up your whole nativity scene. We have a nativity scene at home. And while I was studying this, I looked over at the nativity scene, and I was like, this messes up the whole nativity scene. It says that they came into the house, and they saw the young child. This means that Mary and Joseph were married at this time. They were in a house, and that they worshiped the young child. Jesus was approximately one and a half, two years old at this time. And what do you think that looked like? They came in the house and they worshiped him. Because we all have this image in our minds of what worship looks like. Like, I can tell you what it probably didn't look like. There probably wasn't, you know, like a drummer off on the side in the house, you know, doing the, the cue and the countdown. <laughs> that probably didn't happen. Was that good? There probably wasn't a worship leader softly playing the keys over here in the corner. Right? There, there wasn't screens in the house with words up on, the, you know, giving you words to the songs. There wasn't a pastor standing in the house saying, come on, raise your hands now. Let's worship Jesus. That probably didn't happen in Mary and Joseph's house. You know, it's funny, even with all those things, Here, some of us still half-heartedly worship Jesus. We still half-heartedly worship him. And I don't know, maybe we're bored with the song selection, even though we should be grateful with the song selections that we have, because when we get to heaven, there's one soundtrack rolling, and that's holy, holy, holy. It's still going today. What did it look like without all that stuff? Like, what did it look like? I believe they walked in that house, and it looked something like this. They saw this toddler standing in front of them, possibly with a nummy in his mouth. And they walked over to him, and it looked something like this. Because to worship is an adoring reverence. It's actually to, it's a deep respect in all. And worshiping is, just, is, just, is to kiss toward. And the idea is, is that you're you're kissing the feet of or, or kissing the garment of the one that you're worshiping. And what you're saying is you're more important than I am. You're more important than I am. I adore you. And could you imagine what that What Mary and Joseph must have thought at that time, especially Joseph, Mary knew who she was carrying. But these men of influence and wealth walk into your house and bow low before your one and a half, two year old child. Mary knew who she was carrying. Joseph was probably like, it's true. Jesus was probably like, yes, yes. (laughs) But these men were saying, you're greater than I am. You're more important than I am. You're God and I'm not. This is what they were saying. Wisdom worships. You know the difference between God and you? God doesn't think he's you. That's the difference between God and us. But we get ourselves confused with God all the time. And this is a problem for us. When we think we're God, we, you know, we think we're in charge. We think we're in control. And our lives get messy when that happens. As long as we think we're God, we'll never worship Him because we'll be too busy worshiping ourselves. Here's a real fundamental exercise. And I'll close after this. Start each day with worship and reminding yourself who God is and who you are. Who God is and who we're not. You're God, I'm not. You're Lord, I'm not. You are the great I am, I'm not. The sooner we get that straight, the sooner we can begin to truly worship God. And let me remind you that worship isn't just what we do on the outside. It's not just singing songs, raising our hands, or or bowing low. Worship starts with right here. It starts on the inside. It's knowing deep inside that he is God and we're not a little boy couldn't sit still at the dinner table and he constantly kept jumping up out of his seat, grabbing for things, and his dad would get upset with him and he kept telling him, sit down. And the boy would for a minute, but then he'd get right back up and he'd start jumping around and grabbing things again. And the dad finally got tired of it and he said, sit down or else. You ever said that to your kids? Sit down or else. And the little boy plopped down in his seat, crossed his arms. And his dad said, that's better. Kid looked at his dad and he said, I'm sitting down on the inside, on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And if we're honest, we can be bowing down on the outside, but still standing up on the inside. Right? We can be we can be singing songs and and singing praises on the outside, but still thinking on the inside, when is this pastor gonna shut up so I can go home and eat some honey-baked ham? (laughs) Real worship starts right here in the heart. It starts on the inside. It changes us from the inside out, knowing who he is and who we're not. Romans 12, one says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship seats, I'm sorry, wisdom, worships. Stand with me as I close. There's no easy answers to profound questions in our lives. The story of the wise men seeking and searching for Jesus illustrates the importance of our need to seek after a loving, mysterious God who intervened on our behalf. He came. The more we seek and search, the more we discover the scope of God's creation. The more we seek, the more we uncover the greatness of his love for each one of us. Let's set out this week to be true worshipers. The wise men were true worshipers. And worship affects every aspect of our lives. It affects our lives, it affects other people's lives that he's given us access to. True worship isn't merely singing songs. It's living our lives in a way that pleases God. Our singing and prayers are the outward manifestation of a life lived daily for the glory of God. Gods of our own make making ultimate. Uh, I'm sorry. Gods of our own will make ultimately make disappoint us. The true God, the living God, the only God, the God of the Bible, is the one we were made to worship. Amen? He's the one that we're made to bow down to. He's the only one to give your heart to. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity to do that right here right now on Christmas Day. Bow your heads and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Transform me. Make me brand new. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I declare from this day on, I'll live for We're going to have a couple of our altar ministers, pastors up here to pray for you. I'll be up here. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. I'm asking ask my daughter to come up here and, and pray us out today.
2: Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. And it's your birthday today. And oftentimes we just focus on your sacrifice of dying for us. And we forget the sacrifice that you chose to come as a baby the most humbling of creatures you chose to be submissive to Mary and Joseph as their child your creations what kind of King does that chooses to be under his own creation only you Jesus would do that to put yourself in harm's way to be willing to feel pain and sickness, things that you had never felt and you didn't have to feel, but you chose to do that for us. So on this Christmas morning, Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you. You could have came as a big, strong man, but you didn't. You came as a baby to teach us to be humble, to teach us to lay down our pride and worship you and you alone, and you modeled what that looked like. And you didn't have to do it that way, but you did. God, you are so good. You are so good. We love you so much, Jesus. And today, God, would you just be with us, Holy Spirit, as we celebrate with our loved ones and our families that may not know you. Holy Spirit, will we just be willing to be a witness of your goodness today, in this week, in this season? God, we thank you for all of our family members that are going to come to know you this Christmas season Help us to be bold, Jesus. Help us to to say yes every single time you put that whisper in us. us. Let us say yes boldly. We love you so much, Jesus. And we just ask, God, that anybody in here that's feeling any sickness or fear or anxiety or depression, God, that you would just begin to heal them right now and say, this is why I came. I came so you could be healed. I didn't just come so you could go to heaven. I came so you could bring heaven to earth. So God, we thank you that there is healing in this room. And it's not just for our physical bodies, but it's for our emotional selves as well. We love you. We love you. And let us not forget the reason for this season. It's you and you alone. And we love you so much, Jesus. Happy birthday. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming today. We look forward to seeing you next week. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We love you.